street epistemology is a wonderful approach that anyone can learn. You can learn more about street epistemology at streetepistemology.com. Hi, I'm Dolly, also known as Juggling Lessons. I've been a programmer and a teacher before I retired, and my current hobby is to create teaching materials for street epistemology. Lately, I've been interviewing people involved with street epistemology and live streaming them on my YouTube channel, which you can find at youtube.com slash user slash juggling lessons. And we are live. Thank you for coming to this discussion about SE. I have a guest today, Reed Nicewander of Cordial Curiosity. Uh, I had uh, a really awesome time earlier this year for a couple of months getting to train with him live and in person before uh, the, the current microbial situation became a problem. And uh, I blame him for a lot of the training and impetus that made this channel possible. So, Reed. Cordial curiosity. Tell us about yourself. Hey, thanks, Dolly, for having me. Yeah, this is, this is awesome. So glad to see you doing this. I uh, guess a quick intro of me. Um, yeah, I'm Reed Nicewander. I have a YouTube channel called Cordial Curiosity. Um, I've been doing public SE for about four years now, recording and uploading. And uh, yeah, that's me. I'm also president of Street Epistemology International, although this is just me read speaking cool so you're not speaking from your corporate hat you're speaking from your swoosh hat yeah just the swoosh hat just the swoosh hat hiding my uh covid hair oh oh my okay i i can respect that all right uh let's see uh we want to invite questions from the audience you can type those in collab se text and uh, Kimberly will be giving us a question. We, we wrote a, a bunch of questions. If you saw yesterday's uh, event with Anthony, it's actually the same list because we thought it was Ask the Experts. So there it is. Uh, let's see. Brief technical difficulties. Be right back with that. Oh, technical wow. difficulties. Yeah, yeah, it happens sometimes. I'm. It happens. It's, I'm not a one-man show, but I'm about as competent as one, maybe. So it's uh, it's a slow thing. Okay. This is the Aaron Raw question. We we roll dice, by the way, to figure out the sequence of the questions, so that I'm not writing a story. When is SE called for? And facts and sorry. When is SE not called for? But a facts and debunking approach is called for um i guess maybe after an se session where you have kind of gone through the process of identifying you know what would disconfirm your claim what specific facts and evidence would do it so then you can bring in ah. just those and not waste your time throwing facts and evidence back and forth at yourself and other people okay so SE could lead into almost like sport debate. I, I hadn't considered that. Thank you. I, I, 
I, I didn't know, uh, you know, I, when I've been doing SE, it's been a lot in a public environment, uh, on discord here on live streams. And it's been one after the other. There's been an interlocutor and another one and another one and another one. We keep examining claims. We don't have any time after that other than uh, an openness to the audience. And I have been somewhat trying to suppress the facts and evidence coming from the audience, say, Spirit of SE. But you bring up an interesting point that maybe I shouldn't. Maybe after an SE, a person should uh, should be uh, uh, ready for the actual something. I'll have to check with I'll have to think about that. Thank you for that input. Is there any claim that you would refuse to examine? Refuse? No. Not really, no. Okay. So the, not, not some political hot button that's just too far over on one side of things. But, but you, some, if somebody said it, even if it was a steel man thought, like once, I once hit you up with Bigfoot. That was yeah. fun. I may refuse to upload it and publicly share it. Um, oh, okay. But not talk with anybody. I see. Yeah. Uh, I don't have that option because I'm doing it live and I, I could take something down. That would be the extreme move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, does your experience in SE change your communication style outside of SE? Is this, un- if so, is this a uniformly good thing or bad or a mixed bag? Is it changed? I guess I don't really talk too much outside of SE. <laughs> it's just my general personality. I don't really, and especially during COVID, it's like I'm not really talking to many people, but. Mm. Yeah, even after doing SE for a while, I rarely use facts and evidence to try to persuade anybody or, like, send messages. That is something mm. I've, like, sworn off. It's, like, it's just way too much evidence against uh, doing that. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I decided in 2020 myself to avoid sport debate, even if it was a good thing because I wanted to stay on my focus of SE. And so uh, a year, oh, that's fine. Uh, we'll figure it out then later. Yeah, in the one-on-one context, not in like a, if I'm invited on modern day debate, I'm not going to just ask questions of somebody else. I might bring them, you know, evidence or something, but I would probably avoid sure, debates sure. in general, just preferred conversation. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Hypothetically, what could you learn that would decrease your confidence that your practice of SE is good for society. And there's two follow-ups. Yeah. For society, I would have to see, um, you know, some type of study that showed it would decrease, let's say, decrease your confidence is good. And if I saw studies showing that it increased polarization or... Other things like that. What else? Much like society metrics. I don't think it has anything yeah. to do with GDP or what other okay. society metrics like happiness. Like, how do you measure this? Society metrics. I really um, love the polarization answer. That that really resonates with me. Um. <clears throat> yeah, the, all those pupils about you know seeing the opposite side, you know, politically. If we saw those types of things, you know, look better in terms of, you know, seeing the other side more empathetically, being 
you know, being willing to marry someone from the opposite side, you know, those, those types of questions, if those improved and mm-hmm. we know they improved because people, you know, either practice SE or like encountered someone do, or a lot of people doing SE mm-hmm. on them. I don't know how you would make that causal connection. That's probably up to sociologists, but something like that. Okay. How about for your interlocutor? And and you may have said that with the way your answer for society that sort of overlapped. Good for your interlocutor. Yeah, like studies about you know personal positive life outcomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if those got better somehow through doing SE, you know, not being depressed as much because um, you you know you understand where people are coming from. You know their intentions and they have good intentions. They're not evil people and you're not, you know, in a world where it's like evil versus good. Um, yeah, being able to learn more about other people. Uh, and if, it, if we had some way to measure the ability to people to think critically, if we could measure that and if SE increased people's ability to do that, that would that would be good. Yeah, that would be good. So the last part is what would what could you learn that would reduce your confidence that it's good for you personally? Decrease my confidence it was good for me personally. Um, if I just started being more sure about whatever I believed and being less empathetic about people and just more depressed about you know talking with people and. Mm. Making 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 the world better a better place through conversation. Okay. It just seemed to like, you know, every time I talk with someone, you start evidencing a bunch of personal costs. I, I see. Yeah. It. Okay. I just start losing my faith in humanity with every conversation, then mm-hmm. that would be bad. Have you experienced an interlocutor having a perverse response to an Olympus, like dramatically increasing their confidence in an obviously daft or unmotivated claim? I've seen like wild fluctuations in confidence, but not like, you know, a weird, um, daft, that's funny, unmotivated, unmotivated claim. I haven't seen that. No, I've only seen like one person, I think, talk about either it was astrology or like karma or something started mm-hmm. at like a hundred and then went to zero, which wow. made me question their you know, yeah. commitment to it. But that I've seen that happen. That happened once. And I'm like, wow, it was interesting. Wow. wow, that's that's intense. Okay. Can SE be used effectively with an agenda to convince people towards a position? <sighs> I I guess. Yeah, I mean, the book is a manual for creating atheists. Was the original mm-hmm. book? Yeah. Obviously, if you, if the position you want to convert people to or create people for is atheism, mm-hmm. then a manual for creating atheists would seem to be a good way to do that. So, but is that that title is so misleading because yeah. it's like you want to help someone think critically about position X mm-hmm. and if they 
realize for themselves they don't have any good reasons for position X, then they go back to just the default position. And mm-hmm. atheism is like a very peculiar type of word because we don't really have words for like the default position for every mm-hmm. claim. It's usually just, oh, I don't believe that. We don't need a word for everything we don't believe. Right. So it's like in the specific realm of beliefs about God, we have this philosophical term, atheism, that is not really necessary. So I, if you if you qualify that as a position, sure. But really it's not it, – but that's just like the default, you know, Bayesian prior position. Mm-hmm. I guess you could – if you increase doubt in some – something and you go back to the default i guess that's way to go towards a position that's how i would think about it okay okay uh we have a question from the audience do you have any issues staying calm during the discussions now or ever it wasn't beginning i wasn't calm because i was just nervous and it was just weird being out there on the trail with a table and cameras and I didn't know mm-hmm. what people would think of me or react. And at that point, you know, it was weird and I was talking with someone and that was just something strange for me. And I was just mm-hmm. very socially anxious in general. So in that, in terms of being calm, then I was not calm, but now I'm totally calm because that's just, it's not no big deal for me to talk with anybody or go out and, uh, you know, with cameras and stuff, people, I've seen mm-hmm. what people react like, you know, it, it's like no big deal. And talking to people about specific claims in themselves, it doesn't know, like, I'm still su- super calm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so now, now it's totally fine. Yes. Thank you. Uh, if you heard R2 announcing that Tigger is out in the that that's all just the talk going on in the birds so you're getting on that it's just a feature of the show okay have you ever been emotionally moved enough in an alinkus that you needed to take a break before you were ready to do another interview um not in really an alinkus there was just one person i have a video of him on my channel it's like one of the first 20 or 30 maybe of him talking about just his life dealing with cancer and like being really appreciative of like life like by the end of that i was kind of in tears but that had nothing to do with like an alinkus i was just kind of listening to his story mm. and uh yeah so that doesn't really apply to this question so no not really no interesting okay uh by the way from the audience uh, by the, please type in your questions as long as the production team can make sense of them and they're happy with them the, the, they will put them up in the in the stream all right. Uh, sometimes it's the delay of the cut and the paste. I want to see what the next question is. No worries. How many chickens do you have in there? I have three. I have two hens and a rooster here. Uh, the rooster is R2 and the hens are I and Sigma. And that's those are math terms. Okay. Do you have a favorite category of claim? Are there claims or are there claims you dread to confront? Uh, nowadays, my favorite type of claim is like the cultural uh, 
claim of like relating to social justice, critical social justice. Mm-hmm. Those are my my favorite ones now. It's like that postmodern element leaking mm-hmm. into the usual liberal forms of talking about social justice. It's like it's been mm-hmm. just corrupted in that way. And I see that as a larger and larger issue nowadays. So that's my favorite category now. It used to be spiritual, religious, or supernatural claims. Um, any claims I fear or dread to confront? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe like white supremacists, like explicit, you know, neo-Nazis. Those are just, you know, the people themselves would be, you know, I talked with one person at Politicon, um, like the first Politicon in Los Angeles I went to, like mm-hmm. outside on a table for like an hour and a half. And uh, that was very strange. And he was like legit a white supremacist. So, mm-hmm. but looking back, watching that footage, I was like, I was still calm and cordial with that person. And I didn't really have mm-hmm. issues. I don't think, I don't think it was afraid because it was a pretty public area anyway. Yeah. But uh, any claims, maybe like race and IQ as well. Oh boy. Race and IQ would be another claim that would be, you know, I would dread to, to confront that because it's such a hot topic. Might be something oh, I might not upload. Yes. Sorry, there was a local drama and it's fine now. But he's going okay. to be a little noisy about it. Uh, uh, there, there, there was an overlap of territories between uh, our, yeah. the rooster and the cat. Oh, okay. dear. Yes, it, it'll be fine. He's just going to be slightly noisy. Okay, uh, next question. How often do you modify your own confidence in a claim during or after an Olympus? Um, I don't. I rarely do it explicitly, like put my own confidence on there. So I really think about, I rarely, you know, come up with a specific spot. When I do have a specific spot, if it's like a political or a cultural claim, you know, sometimes I do shift a little bit. Nothing like major to the opposite side, but, you know, a little bit up or down. Um, so it's pretty rare. Um, yeah, I have not had a greater than 50% confidence shift. As far as I know, maybe, yeah, no, I don't think I have it. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, that, that's mostly my experience. I think I have, I think I have maybe had one or two experiences where I've had a strong confidence shift where I may have gone from 40 to 90 or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly because I did just didn't know it didn't know about it at all and when i say uh, relating to an Olympus, that involves me going back and doing the research after uh, I, I don't want to just take somebody's words as something that should shift me that far if i do i'm probably believing things too much too easy yeah uh there's a question in discussions i feel i have 20 30 questions i could ask how do you choose The production team is choosing um, on the fly. Okay. In discussions, I feel I have 20, 30 questions I could ask. How do you choose? Um, well, there's like the general template of like making sure you understand the claim 
from the person, you know, explicitly, you know, and defining the words. So once you have that and you go into the Alinkas where you're trying to, you know, inquire about the claim and their reasons and their reliability of their reasons. So you want to get to a point where they know what their reasons are and what a reason, if they no longer had it, would change their confidence. Then being able to to know what could change their mind. And then if they revise their claim, any just kind of starting over. So you just kind of, it's like a sixth sense at, at some point where you just, and you don't want to ask something that makes them defensive. So you're like weighing just how they're feeling. Like, will this question push them too far? Are they willing to go this far? Are they open to contemplating this hypothetical? Do they even understand what's going on? Do I need to step back and ask even simpler questions or like a more broader question? Um, yeah, it's hard to, hard to know. And it sounds like you're saying that, that the pairing comes down, comes down to practice. Uh, that, that I think I'm, I think a sixth sense is experience in this case. That's what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can, you can go through the exact template, you know, but then you start to get a feel for it and you just you kind of understand the general character of the person and where they're coming from, from like a woo person or are they super spiritual, super, you know, hard, hardline religious that are like logical with their, you know, evidence or they, you know, you're relativistic, um, you know, progressive or conservative. Mm-hmm. What are their values? What, what, what moral community are they coming from? Mm-hmm. And what are like this, what are the sacred values of that moral community? And what are the taboos or like blasphemies of that moral community? Right. Uh, so I'm, you got to keep that in mind. I'm going to throw in a, 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 I'm calling a question here. Uh, what, could you give me a list of the, ignore the one that's just popped up. I'm going to ask your first one. Uh, okay. can, can you give me a list of like the moral communities and what those values would be? Uh, it doesn't have to be a complete list, but a few examples. Um, there's a great white paper called the mimetic, mimetic tribes in the culture war 2.0 um, by Connor Barnes and um, someone else. Oh, I forgot his name. It's the I always forget. Anyway, uh, they have like a, a spreadsheet of like the various mimetic tribes in this culture war, and one ah. is like yeah, you, know, you have like the the um, uh, rationalists, post-rationalists, the sorters, which are like the IDW, you know, Jordan Peterson people, or the um, progressive activists and trans rights activists and gender critical gender critical feminists and like the more left and then like QAnon or TradCon or various other conservative tribes um, oh, okay. like incels um, and, and they have like a telos which is like a mm-hmm. you know a purpose for them and then like a you know their sacred values and their purpose 
and their you know main people they look up to and their way, main ways of understanding the world and their you know forebears like what's their what's their history so that there's a great um spreadsheet of all of those on the on that white paper just look up mimetic tribes in the culture war okay. 2.0 okay if somebody from collab se text would grab that link and throw it in the text to be lovely and maybe i could include it in the doobly-doo if it's the one that makes sense have you observed anyone trying to do se where they crashed and burns failing badly enough that they couldn't finish the interview um have i observed anyone were they like the person doing the interview yeah the, the, the examiner crash and burn so bad that they ruined the Olympus and couldn't couldn't finish it. Where like they had to step away or the person. Maybe they had to, to step, had to step away, away or they ruined it. They ruined the rapport and the other person broke off that that you could definitely see was was a failure on the questioner's part. I've seen a lot of failures crashing and burning on like blab back in the day. Mm. People it would it would mainly just dissolve into arguments and fighting yelling at each other in person no i haven't seen that um nothing especially with se having to go away mm -hmm. no i haven't seen that okay thank you uh thank you imagine uh for that link uh on the prior topic without pushing into people's privacy can you tell me how your intimates see your hobby of SE? How does this affect your family and intimate relationships? Does it? We don't really talk about it. Um, I think only I've explicitly shown, you know, my channel to my mom, you know, maybe mm -hmm. a couple of years ago when it was mainly religious videos and she's religious herself. Like she, uh -huh. every single meal, like dinner, she had like praise, you know, you know, does the grace prayer for sure you know for males yep. like or super religious so we don't really talk about it that much okay and you know religion in general um and, and i and the rest of my family hasn't found it yet oh my wow okay uh the next question is has an interlocutor ever changed your views on something that's similar to that confidence question. Yeah. Um, they had, I'm sure they have. Um, I don't know of any specifics, though. There, I guess, like one explicit thing was like I was talking with someone about um, like prostitution or sex work. And like, I'm, I was pretty, I was maybe 85. And by the end of the conversation, I was like 90, that that should mm -hmm. be a thing. Mm -hmm. um so like that's as much as i've gone i think wow okay cool next question i think i think i have my production team multitasking i'm, I'm oh dear stepping on them okay of people famous enough that we probably both know of them and you do not personally know who would you like most to see practicing street epistemology? Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts of like people interviewing 
people. I think Sam Harris would be my number one for sure. Okay. If he Sam did Harris. more SE type, you know, type interviewing, especially if it's someone who he disagrees with. Like mm-hmm. if he did SE with Ezra Klein, um, that right. would have been great. Or SE with some other people who despise Sam Harris. And mm-hmm. he just tried to learn their perspective, make sure they make sure he understood where people were coming from and could find some way to disconfirm, you know, hypothetically disconfirm something from someone who hates him Harris about some particular view. That would be awesome. We'd love to see that. Oh, thank you. Cool, cool. Next question. What famous person or stereotype would you least like to see practicing SE? I don't understand that question. Like, if, is there somebody who would do it badly and and hurt the practice of SE in general by practicing it? I mean, I was thinking Stephen Crowder because he seems to, to he seems to be close enough to SE without doing it that that uh i have a little bit of a crowder bump to get over are you doing things like this no let me demonstrate why yeah i figured the question meant they were doing se well enough to make it you know actual se not Ah. saying they're doing se and failing at it and then you know tarnishing the brand of se um if that's the meaning of the question yeah let's go with that one then then sure stephen crowder If, if stephen crowder just started saying my new series street epistemology and he did mm-hmm. the change my view version of it where he's like mm-hmm. i have a position you give me facts and i'll just hunker down in my belief and then give you more facts back and he called yeah. that street epistemology that would be terrible <laughs> that would be terrible okay good yeah. good we're we we, we uh, i i completely agree could SE be co-opted by bad actors? This is almost the same question. For nefarious purposes, what would someone have to change about SE to make it nefarious? Um, sure, they could. Like Christian evangelists, you know, Christian street preachers could use SE to get people to doubt, you know, their non-belief in a god or something, or a belief in like Islam or belief in Mormonism. And then when they're in that, you know, position of doubt, vulnerable, then they go into like preaching and giving the gospel. Mm-hmm. Like if I put someone in that vulnerable position that, where they start yeah. to doubt something they really believe, I don't want to like, okay, now, now I need to hear about science. Now I need to hear mm-hmm. about naturalism and skepticism and critical thinking um, explicitly. Listen to what I have to say about these. Believe what I believe. That would be mm-hmm. nefarious. I would be an asshole for putting someone in that situation. Like they need to go on their own and then just rethink their own belief and try to find either good reasons to bolster their belief or realize they have no longer good reasons on their own. So mm-hmm. that, that, that would be the way. You, your description is exactly the Columbo tactic. It, it, it that's the that's the outline of the Columbo tactic by um, I think a guy named Greg. Yeah, Greg Kogel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and that is use SE up until the point where you just start preaching. 
Does Coco say he to preach afterwards? Or not? I think that's what I understood in the presentation, but I, I I haven't read his book. I watched some videos where he presented the idea, and I have my own outline built from that. So I'm I'm just working off the memory of his videos from Coco. Okay, I, I assume that would be the the point of getting someone to doubt, then just yeah. answer the gospel. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what he's doing. Okay, if we do. Yep, FK just did it. Uh, thank you. If we do SE with someone about their religious belief, do we have a responsibility to offer them help with their changing belief? I'm going to call this the Anthony Bosco question. Okay. Um, I don't know. If they're like get i don't know if we help someone about their religious belief do we have a responsibility to offer to help them with their changing belief mm -hmm. responsibility uh no okay not not really um maybe i defer with anthony on this like it's not my responsibility to educate you on a different belief or your own belief mm -hmm. I can continue the conversation and we can explore your belief further. And if you get like suicidally depressed or something, then maybe I have responsibility. Then I would have responsibility to mm -hmm. make sure you get help if that happened. Yeah. But beyond that, it's like, no, it's up to you. Okay, cool. Thank you for that. Next question. Why don't we use SE with minors? Why don't we do SE with minors? It's just creepy. If you're like by yourself with a random minor, um, mm -hmm. um, then it's creepy. Um, okay. Especially talking about some TPL belief, like a god or something. Like that's a that's a personal family belief, and and like if a kid talked with me, went back to their parents and said, "Mommy, I don't believe in God anymore." That's kind of a bad situation, and like you, that's mm -hmm. a dangerous situation yeah, for yourself, probably. Um, so, but if um, if people want to let their kid talk about whatever with you, and they give permission, and it, mm -hmm. and they don't mind you talking about a god, like I think Tia was a minor. I, I assume she was. Um, mm -hmm. I assume she was, but her mom was right there. Yeah. Uh, you know, encouraging her to talk about it. So yeah. as long as the parent is there and there's permission and consent, yep. I don't mind to talk with the minor. Um, yeah, that's been if, No minors unless your parents are involved. And that's yeah. fine. Yeah, indeed. Ah, mommy evolution is true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I could see that. As, mommy, mommy. <laughs> Have you experienced an interlocutor that was dishonest about their position? in a context where steel manning is not specifically welcomed. And I'm, let me clarify steel manning. There's steel manning in the short term is repeating back somebody's argument as well as they said it. Steel manning in the long term is like in debate practice where you argue from a position that you don't actually hold. And that's what I mean. Wait, just my side, don't conflate steel manning with just repeating back or representing their position accurately. 
Like steel mm. mining should be adding something or changing something, some position in some fundamental way that in, like that increases its robustness. Ah, because it's on the opposite of straw man, it's a better, it's a changed yeah. and better. Okay. Like if, right. if you use steel steel mining that way, you could say straw manning and it would mean the same thing. Right, right. If you're not okay. if you're just I don't mean so I should call that mirroring. I should call what are the terms I should use for that short term repeat back their argument? Um just mirroring is fine or or uh, summarizing summarizing back, um confirming that you understood. Okay. Just you know, clip you know, maybe clarifying. Mm-hmm. Okay, so mirroring, clarifying. Good. But, okay, so back to the question because now I, I I went off into a into a context thing. Uh, what? Where is it? If have you experienced an interlocutor that was dishonest when steel manning wasn't uh, a, an open option? I think so. I think I have. Like I don't know for sure. I've had a few flat earthers. Mm-hmm. One I know for sure actually. They were because they he just came from like a group of friends. Mm-hmm. We were just off to the side watching. So I'm I'm very confident he was just fucking with me. Okay. Um, and then another person just randomly in Griffith Park also talking about flat Earth, and he was like 50% flat Earth, which is strange. I think he was just playing. Yeah, like that's Disney. weird. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't, that's just weird. <laughs> so okay. I'm sure there are more, but yeah, those two come to mind. Indeed. If you reach a point where your interlocutor says that they would change their confidence given X evidence and you have this evidence, should you produce it? Should you present it? I think you answered this question a little bit, but let's let's revisit. Where would they would change your confidence given X evidence and you have this evidence? Um, maybe if they ask you for it. Okay. Um, if they ask you for it, sure. Okay, so on their prompting, it's okay. You can let that messenger through. That's nice. Yeah, if, if they say something like, oh, yeah, like, if I knew this, then I would change my mind. Do you know if that's the case? Then I could say, I I would probably say, I think it's the case, or mm-hmm. I heard it from here. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard this from here. I still, I still could be mistaken, though. I've heard this. How could we yeah. tell if that source was reliable and that is actually the case? I would still try to make sure we qualify and assess the reliability of the, of my own source and my own fact and evidence. Okay. Yes, I'm ready. How often, when doing SE in public, do you have a reasonable fear? And then there are follow-ups. Um, I wasn't like Griffith Park alone, and I usually there, like my first spot, I would get maybe one person an hour or two people. And, you know, there's homeless issue in Los Angeles. So sometimes I would get the occasional homeless person, and that was a, maybe a reasonable fear. Um, but um, besides those contexts, no, not really. Okay. Uh, how about unreasonable fear? Have you had 
unreasonable fear in an SE context? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. And have you had stage fright? Um, when I was on a literal stage talking about SE at Sunday Assembly, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, next question. Are there any aspects of formal SE that you've personally integrated into your personal conversations? Um, building rapport helps. Mm-hmm. Um, any aspects of formal SE? I mean, wouldn't I just be doing SE if I was doing some type of formal SE aspect? I mean, mm. I guess. I, I, I uh, guess it's a question of would you find yourself asking an SE type question without going into SE or setting up the consent or setting up the understanding of the Alenkis and those kind of things? Yeah, maybe I like go straight to asking a disconfirmation question or how could we know if this is mistaken? Mm-hmm. I just go straight to that question if I have, you know, if I am short on time or something. Yeah, sure. Okay. Have you had at least 10 Alinkus in both public and online? Meaning, I know you've had way, way more than 10 Alinkus in public. Have you had at least 10 Alinkus online? Um, I think I have in Blab, Blab's days. Okay. I think I maybe talked with a few people there. Online, I just talked with, were you there when I talked to this alien guy? It was some Twitch streamer with like 250,000 followers talking about aliens. Mm. No, I so don't that was know that. That was maybe a month ago. I might upload ah. that now that aliens is kind of in the news. Okay. Um, I want to do more, though. Um, now, Especially now that we're doing, you know, in the COVID situation, I want to yes. figure out a way to do it. And I also want to do VR SE. Um, okay. That would be cool. Like there's, I have the Oculus Quest, which is like VR headset, where it's just by mm-hmm. the controllers and the headset by itself, no other accessories or computers or whatever. And they have, you know, online multiplayer type games where mm-hmm. I can go and do this event. People like there's what's it, what's it called, like something VR space or something, where people have like virtual living rooms or virtual movie theaters or just campfires and you can watch videos or you can talk with people and that would be cool mm. to, to try to that would be very cool. do I see what's the buy-in on something like that? is that less than less than a grand to get to that or how much, how much I think around 500 500 okay. to 600 for the headset yeah okay and I'm assuming that you would need to connect it to uh, a desktop or laptop computer to not the quest no no the quest just talks to the wi-fi wi-fi only um it's got cameras and sensors in the controllers and the headset and um you just you just designate a specific area on the floor like you draw it with the controller you know virtually and it's like stay in this space and you're good it's really cool wow okay well i I'm terribly interested to see that. I'm not sure how it relates to SE. But I'm sure that something about body language and something matters, and I would love to see that. I wanna, I you wanna can see experience. people gesticulating with their arms because their yeah. controllers are tracked, and you can see people like give hand signals, like even in yes. the low. So that's cool. Sure, I would. I would very be very interested to see it. Okay. Uh, so the last part of the prior question, and I'm just gonna 
call that for just a moment. I'm going to ignore the question, ignore the question for a moment and say, uh, have, how have you noticed these environments are different uh, between the online and uh, in person? I've experienced both with you and online a bit, so I have my own ideas and I see them as a lot different. How, how have you experienced them as different? Yeah, like my online experience is mostly Discord and Blab, which is kind of a similar context where you're talking to mm -hmm. someone, but there's an audience there also listening. Yes. That, that you explicitly know is there. And sometimes they butt in and like interrupt mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. So that's another risk and hazard. So I have an amazing tech team. They take care of that one. Yeah. So it's much, it's so much better, you know, being face to face by yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it matters too much, like with them knowing they're being recorded and there's a mm -hmm. Twitch live stream also, you know, watching. Mm -hmm. I don't think that matters too much when it's face to face in person. I think they kind That's of interesting. They kind of just focus on me and forget about it. Some maybe some people are more self conscious, but mm -hmm. being online, you know exactly how many people are listening, and maybe even what they're saying about the conversation because there's also a text chat. So there's just mm -hmm. so many more biases and influences going on. So like, it's not ideal being online, mm -hmm. but it's like it's better than Twitter for sure, better than Facebook. Oh. Yeah, I, I think a sharp stick in the eye might be better than Twitter, but okay, I'm, that's that's my bias coming up. Mm -hmm. Is it acceptable to use SE when listening to friends and family about their problems and using it as a method to troubleshoot the root of their problem rather than their initial stated root cause? Maybe. Meaning if they have this attribution error, is this a good thing to use with friends and family? If it's like not a super serious, you know, like emotional problem that needs like serious therapy, then maybe, most likely, sure, yeah, you can. It's kind of like a SE is kind of like a cognitive behavioral therapy for like claims. Yeah. Um, your you know cognitive behavioral therapy is a way of asking, does this justification make sense for whatever feeling I have? You know, so maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, that was an update of the same. They just fixed the typo. Thank you for that. Next question. Is a group of miners, if a group of miners wanted to learn SE, is there any reason they shouldn't try to learn and practice it? No. Okay. Yeah, no. Any okay, reason? Good. What would be? Let me think. Yeah, maybe what? even if it's a really weak reason, what would be the the reason that would most affect your confidence? Maybe they just start annoying their teachers by like making them dig down and justify their like science questions, like, and they're not, or just like some, you know. Yeah, like we have a okay. We're talking about some subject X in a science class, and then it gets down to like, you know, model, you know, what is that 
model independent model something realism like you get down to the philosophical bedrock of like the philosophy of science after a bunch of questions <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like something like that mm. that'd be funny yeah that would be funny okay next one. are you aware of some of the criticisms of se some see it as dishonest and maybe even manipulative and if so do you think there's some merit to some of that yeah especially at the beginning like I've been, I have like this Kialo, um argument map of like criticisms of SE that I've been keeping track of, and mm-hmm. and some criticisms I've taken to heart and changed what I how I do SE because of their criticisms, like mm-hmm. you know, making sure I get consent and you know especially for religious claims mm-hmm. and. Um, Making sure it's obvious my goal in the conversation, and if, and if they want to know my, where I'm coming from, yeah, I will I will tell them. Um, definitely be be willing to say whatever you believe whenever you're asked. Um, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I would I would really appreciate if you'd link and share that with me. Uh, on in my personal life, I attempt to get ten, ideally twenty percent of my input and exposure to things by from people I know I disagree with. So for yeah. my channel, I want to mirror that and have at least 10, ideally 20% of my content be uh, engaging with the critics of, of SE. Uh, so uh, I, I have a slot for shows about criticisms of SE and guests who would like to criticize SE. And, and the thing you're talking about would allow me to do a show without even a guest who might want to be confrontational. Mm-hmm. I appreciate and that. I, and sometimes I, you know, search for street epistemology on Twitter and I find like a com- a podcast by apologists. And I usually, yeah. I try to try to listen to everyone that I hear, like any, I, just a general interest in, in general, but also hearing the yeah. criticisms of what they say. So I, I, I ask you and everybody else listening, if you see any good criticisms of SE, the ones you would take the most seriously, please link them to me. I want to cover those. I want to cover the best ones, not the low-hanging fruit that's easy to defeat. I We can do some of that. but uh, and, and, and So I, I really invite that kind of thing. Uh, next question, please. What actions could the examiner take that would disqualify a conversation from being SE by your personal standard? Yeah, here's one of, the, one of the questions I I tried to give notes on. I guess really just it's really just uh, sending messages, you know, trying to give facts and evidence. That's an obvious disqualifier, especially if the person didn't ask for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of others, you know, just being angry. Yeah. Um, yelling Negative at them, yeah. insulting them, the general stuff like that. Uh, okay. Uh, the production king would, uh, I'm not going to ask that. Uh, you go ahead and read it if you like, and you may answer if my production team is a good one. Um, sure. Yes, you are. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Next, next question. Oh, if not who? No, but he said yes. So there's no, there's no follow up. 
All right. <laughs> Next question, please. <laughs> if it hasn't been asked already, why did Reed start doing SE? How did he come? How did you come across it? Um, 2013 is when the book came out. Mm-hmm. By that time, I was in Los Angeles on my own in a new place and uh, a recent, you know, deconverted from religion. Mm-hmm. Even the apathetic version I had that it was kind of just hanging on because of an afterlife. But I got to LA and then I went, I found the Center for Inquiry which was cool. Uh, they did a bunch of talks like every week. And then this other organization also was there, Atheist United. Mm-hmm. And I got, you know, I joined them and hung out with them. And then by, you know, I it was getting into the more just secular activist scene, you know, sp- spreading the ideas of, at that time, I would have said atheism, but it's really mm-hmm. just it's really secularism, critical thinking, science, education. So I wanted to do something. I wanted to help the cause. It was back in 2012 to 2013. Then Peter Bogosian had his book come out. He did a talk in L.A. I attended the talk. It was great. Loved the idea. Um, but it wasn't until a year afterwards. and you know, like I didn't see any really examples of this conversational method happening online mm-hmm. um yeah nothing on facebook or twitter at that point so it wasn't until you know anthony's videos started showing up and he you know those are obvious examples even though they weren't mm-hmm. the best at, at the very beginning especially when it was just like i saw him yell at a street preacher like i remember that first video mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the first ones yeah or at least yeah. it was it was still on his channel, like obviously there. Um, like I went back and watched all of his videos when I first found the few that he had. So then that's how I came across like really street epistemology. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of followed it for another year until 2015 or yeah, mid 2015 blab started um and then at that point i was in the facebook group learning about se um and then we just practiced on blab for a year until it shut down and at that point anthony had tons of videos there are many people uploading videos um so that's how i kind of started started it thank you thank you Uh, okay. Uh, next question. And okay, what do you do when your interlocutor says no to the tic tac test? Whether it's it's not necessarily odd or even, or I can't say that somebody's wrong if there's two people, one says even, one says odd. Yeah, my recent conversation with James Lindsay about critical social justice. You know, he mm-hmm. we were watching Anthony's video. Oh, with, Vanessa. Uh, Vanessa and yeah. she got to that question and she got and she that's like a wildly you know that's a unique way of answering that question of like bringing up <laughs> just other ways of knowing indigenous ways of knowing that's a that counts as mm-hmm. a not answering that question 
mm-hmm. and James suggested not even using the words even and odd and saying could we take these objects out of this box and line them up next to each other do it with every uh-huh. single piece until we get to a point where either there's they are they have a pair or there's one left over yeah. could we do that could anybody do that with any similar objects or these mm-hmm. tic-tacs would there be one left over or would there mm-hmm. not be one left over um ask that question mm-hmm. don't even say even or not and see what they say and then because that's what we're really asking um i'd love to see someone do that and i'd love to see what happens there because then that's just i don't know how more obvious and plain and simple it gets so we'd love to see what happens after that okay Next question. Which book would you suggest as the first for people interested in SE? A manual for creating atheists or how to have impossible conversations or something else? Um, book, obviously, how to have impossible conversations, for sure. That okay. should be the first one. You really don't even have to worry about a manual for creating atheists anymore. How to have impossible conversations is all you need. And you, it's like everything is there, like the, especially the core Socratic part of it, mm-hmm. uh, and the disconfirmation questions. And there's just so much more as well, mm-hmm. and it's just generalizable as well. So it's and it, it doesn't have the stigma of you know having the you know many of creating atheists is very polarizing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the book for sure. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to take a moment here and, and mention we're starting book club on Wednesdays on this live stream on Impossible Conversations. Uh, this is a book club that will be presented by people who have read and will be summarizing and quoting from the book. And it's also leaned toward people who don't bother want to read the book. Uh, this won't be an audio book level. It'll be a summary cliff notes and quotes level and, and what people have learned from it and their reflections. Uh, so it, it's not a replacement, but almost. If you don't, if you don't like reading the book, come to our book club. Uh, stream them later, however you do that, uh, and and we will we will try to fair use, be kind to the book. Next question. Which book are you going to read? Impossible conversations. Okay, cool. I'm just calling it by that short name, and and it's how to have impossible conversations. Yes, but. I just yeah, call it impossible or the orange book. Uh, okay. Is a taco a sandwich? I heard. Uh, is a taco a sandwich? What do you mean by taco and what do you mean by sandwich? And at some point, categories are, they have blurry edges. So I don't know. <laughs> sure. I like that response. I like that a lot. Okay. Next from the list. Uh, that was not a dash, so I don't see it at the top. Try it again. The question is, what biases do you intentionally hold, if any, while asking questions in the Olympus? And maybe what biases do you unintentionally hold? Yeah. Uh, intentionally hold. I kind of like try to think of what a dogmatic ideologue is and just do the opposite. Like be the opposite of a 
dogmatic ideologue mm. and try to embody myself as that. Um, so if, if that counts as a bias, like trying to act that way intentionally, mm. that's what I try to do. Okay. Um, so the bias is is against dogmatism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, which includes like being open to whatever they're saying, kind of assuming that you're wrong from the begin with, and they know whatever is true, and I'm just listening and trying to learn whatever their reasoning is, and it's just starting from that position. Mm-hmm. Um. Unless they ask for what my position is, and then I kind of yes. change out of that. So then also biasing towards, once we get into the Olympus and their reasoning and connecting their reasoning to the claim, then I have a bias towards you know valid and soundness of the argument. Are, are they even using the same words? Is any of the words they're using in this reason connected to the claim? Um, like I need to hear at least one word and the reason connected to the claim so we have like a you know syllogism type thing going and then once once i if they do if they give a reason that's not even valid then i can ask questions about the validity of that structure but if it's valid mm-hmm. then we can go into the the soundness of the structure of the argument mm-hmm. um so that's kind of a bias there like I assume that's how we make arguments. Okay. Um, so and then this is an, a bias toward logical, syllogistic level kind of thinking. Okay. Yeah, that's what's my bias toward non dogmatism. That's why I use my. Sometimes I use my, uh, post-it notes. Like mm-hmm. the claim is there, and then a reason. I put the reason below the claim because that's something that supports the reason. And I, you know, ideally there's like two connecting syllogistic claims. Okay. So, sometimes it's implied, and we don't have to like spell it out exactly, but yeah, there's at least two. Um, so that's a post-it note. So that's just, we can see it visually, and that's how we make the argument. So that's something I bias towards, and and in general, just biasing towards objective truth. <laughs> Is that yeah. a bias? Like yeah, I assume that's a thing. Yeah, preferring objective truth over fluffy, not objective truth. Yeah, that's definitely certainly a bias. Do you think you have any biases that you unintentionally hold that you're stuck with? You can't really. Oh, we're just going to skip forward. Does to do SE does one have to be an atheist? No. No. So if you were a theist and you were doing SE, would that limit you in what kind of claims you could examine? Would you be unable to? come at SE from a theist place and would, would, they, would that generate limits? I've yet to see it successfully done like to the level of you know Anthony or, or just the other people that post videos of a theist doing it neutrally with that with a God claim I've yet mm-hmm. to see it done to my satisfaction I think in Atheists could do it about a non God claim very easily, but mm-hmm. I don't see, I haven't seen it done yet. So I think it, okay. you know, there's nothing, nothing stopping if them. I find, if I find any theists that are doing SE well, I'm going to try to invite them on the live stream as a guest 
uh, interrogator. Awesome. So yes. Now there was a there was a comment. I think you really need to get a theist on here. Uh, that's scheduled for Thursday. I have a Mormon missionary that wants to uh, wow. explain the claim that the Book of Mormon is uh, both a valid historical record and uh, is the Word of God. Mm. So thank you for that. Okay. Next uh, next question. And what we we're just over an hour. Uh, are you? Do you have an outbreak? Are you feeling okay? This is still going well. I don't want to. I don't want to push you to the end. All right. I haven't seen it yet. Have you ever read any reviews or criticisms um, of uh, how to have impossible conversations? And if so, have they impacted your approach? There was one specific article on I think Arc Digital. I forgot exactly what the criticisms were, but I think it was it was definitely a criticism and negative. But they just misunderstood. Mm. Just I think they were just seeing Jim and and Peter from their grievance studies affair and just being biased mm-hmm. towards them in that way. And then yeah, I think they I think they were trying to appeal to some type of hypocrisy because of the way I think at least Jim talked you know does. Mm-hmm. Is conducts on Twitter, but like Jim has, mm-hmm. you know, his justifications for why he does. He I've does heard not so many use... people say that he conducts himself interestingly on Twitter, and I haven't seen it. I should, I should go. Look. I mean, he does the opposite of impossible conversations on Twitter because mm-hmm. Twitter is just structurally not set up for any right. type of honest conversation. It's just the worst possible thing. Yeah, there's no possible one-on-one, it, it, and you can't you can't say even a long thing. It, it's bad. Yeah. Oh, okay. So let's see. What lesson in doing SE was the hardest for you to learn? Um, shooting the messenger, not mm-hmm. giving evidence or facts. To try to, okay. you know, if they just knew this thing, I could tell them to them and they would change their mind. That's a hard, that's just the, that's just, it's so natural to want to do mm-hmm. that people, it's just hard to get over. It's like, yeah, that's the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. What lesson do you think is the commonly the hardest for people learning this method? Is it the same thing? Do you think shooting the messenger or do you think there might be another one that competes for being the difficult part? Depending on your personality, just staying emotionally neutral or mm-hmm. just maybe not maybe not like deadpan as me, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but just not being angry or defensive mm-hmm. when talking with someone. I guess that's a big thing for most people. Mm-hmm. And and also shooting the messenger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shooting the messenger. What results of an Alenkis are well? I, I I'm not sure what how to say it. The most rewarding, the best grade, the highest satisfaction. However you see it, what are those rewards of an Alenkis that you're looking for, and how often do you achieve that high mark? Um, seeing people go into like system two thinking for at least three seconds or more. You know, mm. it's the spider on the ceiling face it's like something like that um that's cool and then also them like 
explicitly thanking me for helping them rethink whatever their reasoning was for whatever claim and just you know being super happy and appreciative of having gone through the process like seeing it as like some type of fun exercise and Mm -hmm. just being very positive about it by the end and and what fraction of your linkist do you think achieve that high mark uh the system two thinking maybe a third of the time Mm-hmm. Like explicitly okay. for that for that amount of time, at least three seconds. Yeah, and then them explicitly thanking me, maybe five percent of the time. Okay, thank you. Uh, and then the next question: What's an Alinkus? What is an Alinkus? It's the Q and A portion of the Socratic method. Begin and wonder. Um, find a hypothesis. And then uh, tried to go through the Alinkus to test the hypothesis. And then you can either revise the hypothesis after the Alinkus and do another Alinkus, or after once you're once you get to the endpoint where you can't justify it anymore, or where you know your reasons there, then you can just act accordingly. But it's the Q and A portion of the Socratic method. Okay, thank you. What topic do you feel holds the most cognitive dissonance for yourself in SE and maybe out? So two ways. Topic you feel holds the most cognitive dissonance for yourself. I can't really think of any cognitive, anything that I just feel cognitive dissonance talking about. I don't know. Okay. No idea. So hey, if, you, if you no, if you just don't have examples of cognitive dissonance that you're up against in yourself, then uh, I'd have to almost have to reframe the question of what do you think people would have the most cognitive dissonance about that they talk to you about? But I, that's that's a completely different question. Um. So, list question: What is the worst result? you have experienced in an Olympus. Um, mm, I'm trying to think of times where someone just got ex- really angry or just like the Politicon mm-hmm. conversations are new and they're just kind of boring and they just, I'm, I'm mainly not even getting to the Olympus mm-hmm. and it's just clarifying their claims and getting their reasoning. And I have no way of like at that point, you know, testing their stuff, mm-hmm. it, but that's not really in the Olympus. Well, okay. But uh, so maybe in the, in the attempt at an Olympus, Basically, you weren't weren't able to get there. You weren't able to set up the starting conditions. Yeah, that, that's that's a bad result. Sure, that that's not like scary, scary though. I mean, it seems like, oh, uh, oh, that didn't work. But they're not angry or threatening to sue yeah. me. There's a playlist on my channel um, where I went out and did some live streams on YouTube, and it's unlisted. And there's one person in particular talking about 
is Antifa a terrorist organization? And then we got into uh, kids in cages and other things, and he was just very angry. Like he and he would he explicitly flipped over the timer like five times. Like he wanted to continue the conversation and mm-hmm. yell at me. Or mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was probably the worst experience. Okay, so the, the guy just kept extending the time, and you could let him. Yeah, I, I kept asking awesome. questions and trying to learn from yeah. him, but I think he was trying to break me down. But I was just asking questions and trying to understand the position. And he would ask me about my position and tried to make sure he, you know, am I an enemy? Am I someone who does not believe what he believes? And I would, and even me, my like tepid, you know, I'm not sure type answers. I would need more clarification. It depends. He was not happy about those responses, mm-hmm. and he just kept, you know, having, you know, yeah, yelling at me. I, I observe that you have a, uh, a distinct voice. Uh, I could tell your voice anytime I hear it, and I, you are actually my example of not just calm, calm like Reed Nicewander. So mm. I see this as a real benefit in the SE. Do people ever give you a negative reaction to your voice? Maybe it's so far that they they don't think you're honest or they think you're putting them on. No one's ever said that. I don't think I've seen any comments about that. It's mainly positive about my voice, I guess. So that's nice to see. Yeah. Yeah, you have an you have an amazing tone and I I I try to emulate without duplicating or or, or pretending to be like but just stay calm and polite really good what's the best way to go about exploring moral or political claims as opposed to claims about reality yeah the last chapter of how to have impossible conversations is about that and i rarely get into those types of claims or get to that point in certain conversations uh there's the there's the template. I forgot ex- what exactly it was. It's basically the same as in the other claim. You get into the, their moral epistemology, like whatever reasoning they have for whatever moral claim. Um, and mm-hmm. ideally, you can put it in the category of the moral foundations. Is it a appeal to harm or liberty or fairness or loyalty, authority, or what else? Loyalty. There's three other groupish moral foundations mm-hmm. if you know which category of moral foundation that's probably good to know mm-hmm. and then you can ask questions in line with that moral foundation you know you don't okay. want to ask you know does it matter to you if this harms whatever group if they only care about liberty or fairness yeah or you know or is this or does it matter about authority how how do we test the the authority of someone how do we know when someone's not an authority what makes a good mm-hmm. authority or how do we know when to be loyal like should we be disloyal at any point how do we know about that uh, loyalty authority and there's one more but but think about in terms of those six foundations and stick to whatever they have as their foundations mm-hmm. most most and then uh, and you can explore. So you got to ask. 
you got to understand their values enough to ask questions in line with their value because, because you won't move them if you give them comparisons that they don't care about. Yeah, so you want to and what what are they trying to achieve in in the world? What's their goal? And I assume they want to achieve it in line with their values and how could their how could they how could their goal be best achieved? Does it if if achieving this goal can be achieved through their values and someone else is trying to like if there's a progressive policy that's being trying to be achieved could that be achieved using a conservative moral foundation mm-hmm. um, could you justify that policy using conservative principles like I see those I see articles of you know doing that sometimes um, maybe go at it that way um, yeah there's different ways okay next question when would you abort an Olinkus? um if someone gets excessively angry where they're like maybe getting to the point of you know physical violence mm. but before that i have this strange ability to just listen to anybody about whatever for as long as they want to talk um and it doesn't phase me so it's weird mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's like i see you listening and repeating back and learning as a way to just dis- disarm someone mm-hmm. so it's like the more i listen the less they'll be angry and the more mm-hmm. i try to understand where they're coming from and hear them out it's just a way to diffuse the tension so it's like if that just happens then that's fine with me and then that maybe if i'm someone that's outside their moral community or moral tribe then they have a Mm-hmm. example of someone who's not evil and can listen to them and understands where they're coming from indeed indeed thank you uh the next question will be how do you approach people who don't take hypotheticals seriously um that happens a lot how do you approach that I guess that's the it's there's like the you could switch to outsider tests. Okay. Is outsider tests hypothetical questions? I guess that is also hypothetical questions. Well, it um, wouldn't have to be hypothetical because you probably could honestly come up with an example of someone you've spoken to that at least approximately holds the position you're saying. So it's yeah. a real thing. There is a real person Maybe. who really does hold that. Yeah, like have you heard have you have you heard about people who live in india and understand and believe in vishnu but the next question would be if that person or if someone like that came up to the table or if you like that's a hypothetical if you if they came up and said something or how can we say that without being in a hypothetical situation maybe i I have spoken to a hindu person who believes based on the uh, validity of their scripture that their moral code is absolutely correct and that sounds like what you've said to me how can uh, i tell yeah. that you're right and they're wrong rather than appealing to the f- a future action say this happened in the past to me yes and i've heard this and i can't really i'm i'm hearing this from you and i i've heard this from this person 
Yeah. So now I'm kind of stuck between you. How could, how could I, how could someone yeah. figure out yeah. which is more accurate in their beliefs? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Have you made any lasting friendships that started as SE conversations? Like the interlocutor? No. No. Okay. Mm -hmm. Have you made lasting friendships that started because of your hobby of SE? Many. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Many. Yeah, that's also my experience. Although I have definitely had interlocutors that have turned into lasting friendships. Uh, that, oh, yeah. that has happened. Cool. I think that's because a lot of my practice is on Discord. And Discord, it's very easy for somebody who has a, a session with me to DM me after the fact and start nice, up yeah. a, a relationship. So that's actually worked out. Are you going to do an ESE online due to COVID? Or maybe your area is starting to open up and you might be able to go back to public. Uh, what's your plans regarding this thing? Yeah, I think I will try to do it more online um, if I can't get the VR thing working. Um, I'm not even in Los Angeles right now. I'm in Florida. So like all my recording equipment is still in Los Angeles, but I have this microphone here and I can do it online. So I might try what you're doing like on discord or some other way. Mm -hmm. I, I do need to, I would ideally like a way to, you know, get people signed up to talk at a specific time. I guess I just need to follow your example and set up a, a yeah. Google uh, form, and let people sign up. I, I, uh, I, I speak for all of the people on the collab server uh, in this. And if somebody, objects let me know that uh, we totally invite you to come use our setup so that you don't have to invest in anything uh and and we will we will serve that need we would like to be that for you sweet thanks uh, we have we have plenty of room okay have you ever feared that someone was going to talk to you into some belief that you don't want uh or maybe instead it's important to go into yeah that was that was a restating of the question. I think I'm just going to go with the first one. Um, have I ever feared someone was going to talk to you into some belief that you don't want? No. Okay. I'm not like a robot. Some people say I'm a robot, but I'm not that much of a robot. When like, I just because I hear an idea doesn't mean I'm going to be, you know, automatically converted to it just by hearing it. That's not mm -hmm. how humans work. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. And next question. Have you had students interested in SE that just could not get it, even after repeated attempts? Uh, I'm, I'm discounting Aaron Raw. He only tried one day. I think it would have to be more than one try. I don't really have any students, unless you count yourself. Um, then no. Have I seen anybody also just, visited? I'm not the only one. <laughs> but anyway, yes. Yeah, go ahead. yeah. I wouldn't consider them like my students. There's like other SE interested people. Okay. Uh, could not get it. I haven't even been in like a teaching situation or a situation where someone has attempted it a lot and just not mm -hmm. got it after a while. Um, so no. Okay. Yeah. 
I also, strangely enough, have not. It seems like everybody who actually tries it more than twice. Now, maybe they can't get it and they do it twice and they just never try again with me. And then I wouldn't know. But uh, if they've tried it more than twice, they just continue to make progress every time. Yeah. Has, has the chess people, chessboard people um, yeah. been getting it? Has been people like been popping yeah. and doing it more? Uh, yeah, it's interesting. The the uh, on the chessboard, it's starting to get where I'm. I'm I'm not having any limitation getting claims, and I'm only doing as much examination as I want. I'm able to hand it off to other volunteers a lot. Last week, uh, on the main treaty epistemology Discord, we had a a three hour practice SE session where neither I or Rom got to do any investigations. Wow, that was stellar. That was so good. The, wow. the the group came in and and just one right after the other, and they were ready with the next one. Blink to blink, and the most we had to do was be around to say, "I'm stuck." Oh, how about you ask such and such? That's a great format. Um, like mm-hmm. having a bunch of people doing a setting at like ten minutes. What is it? Ten minutes. Yeah, and they then... they go for a ten minute Olympus, and then they ask the interrogator to. Uh, I keep using the word interrogator. They use examiner uh, it, it, to to summarize back. They have a minute or two to summarize back the understanding of the person, and they have that kind of conversation. And then they open it to the room to comment on primarily the Olympus, and then some people want to also discuss things about the claim. Uh, and so it's a it's bounced back and forth. It's a bit like what I'm doing on my channel, although I have one Olympus and then one uh, commentary back usually. Sometimes we've gone back and forth a few times. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Have you, as the questioner, ever changed your confidence? I think we, I think this one's been asked before. Ever changed your confidence or opinion on the results of a conversation with an yeah, interlocutor? That's a different wording of the of the same uh, the same one. May I have another question? When would people get interested in SE and try to learn the method with the goal of doing? Oh, sorry. When people get interested in SE and try to learn the method of the goal, doing an SE in public, and they fail, why do they fail the most often? Why do people have the intention and then not get there? Um, I guess there's many ways to fail. And what is the biggest reason to fail? It's like getting there, getting the equipment to set up, like first getting the funding to get the equipment and then getting the equipment and then getting to a place to do the talks and then getting someone to talk and then making sure you're recording everything right and then editing and then publishing. So it's like pre-production, production, production, Mm post-production. Most of it comes down to probably pre-production, I would assume. People don't even Mm -hmm. get to the point of getting to go out in public. Either they don't have the time or they don't have the understanding of the equipment, or they don't have the funding to get the equipment. Mm-hmm. Probably most of the failures there. Um, if they do get to production, then it's probably just time, and then yeah, making a habit. Maybe they're just interested for mm-hmm. a week or a month, and then they just lose interest. Maybe they have a bad conversation or they feel embarrassed or they just feel weird out in public. Uh, So maybe those are some reasons. No idea how much each one is impactful, but those are some guesses, hypotheses. 
uh, on this topic, do you have anything with your Street Epistemology International hat on that you that that, that organization would like to say on the topic? Yes, SEI has some funds now. We have some money coming in, and we have quite a bit already in the bank. So if you're interested in going out and doing public SE or whatever type of SE project you want to do, feel free to, and you need funding support for it, feel free to put in a funding request through our website. We can help you out. Thank you, thank you. Okay. All right, SEA uh, hat, hat off. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, I think it's okay for me to say that SE uh, gave me a, a grant toward my income and essentially paid for most of this microphone. So thank mm -hmm. you very much. You've that. been putting your putting our funds to good use, so it's great. Thank you, thank you. That's what we want to see. Do you keep a file of everyone you've ever SE'd in the off chance that they reach back out to you so that you can track their progress? Um, hmm. I don't keep a file. I do create a new conversation note in the notes app on my iPad, and I just looked at it, and it's now above. It's a thousand and one notes. <laughs> I'm sure there's more, there's more, you know, conversations I didn't make a note about. So, but I have a, over now now over a thousand notes, you know, awesome. for each conversation. So, that's the most I do in terms of keeping track of whoever I talk to. It's it's just the first name of the person. Yeah, and I bet in some cases there's some terabyte drives in a, in a closet somewhere that also holds some record of the conversation. Indeed. Yeah, all the, I keep all my footage. I don't delete anything as well. Okay. Yes. Uh, okay. Is there anyone famous enough that we would probably both know of them that you would refuse to interrogate? Um. Aporia, three seconds. Ding. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um. Probably. I'm sure somebody. Why would I refuse to interrogate them? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I have a list I for myself of those. It's a category for me. Um, it would probably I start I'm with not gonna, Donald Trump. You wouldn't and, want to interrogate him? Nope. And because he fits in the category, that would probably also include maybe uh, even Ken Ham or... Uh, basically, powerful people whom, if I ended up pushing them into a corner and making them look bad, could cause me uh, legal or societal big trouble. There would be, they'd have power to push back hard. Oh, you'd be afraid of the consequences if you like made them look stupid. Right. Like an exception okay. I would make in that category would be, say, Elon, only because I trust that my conversation with him wouldn't generate that kind of power. But I'm not sure I could do the same with, say, Jeff Bezos. And I'm just picking names out of the hat here. Uh, so really big, powerful people intimidate me. And I bow to that intimidation. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, what evidence would you need to be convinced of the existence of a god? Um... Miracles. Oh, my team rocks. Oh, you guys are so fast. I love that. Some type of consistently reproducible miracle. Um, okay. Like 
and that we can roll out aliens <laughs> as best of as we can, like limbs yeah. going back. Or, or modify the definition of God to include super powerful aliens, maybe. But yeah, I'm with yeah. you. Okay, if, so if we had to, if we could, like, you know, not have to have any hospitals anymore because every time we prayed for whatever illness or whatever in a specific God in a specific way, and it didn't work in other, any other for any other God. We did we pray to that that would do it. Mm-hmm. So the follow-up is what would you accept as a miracle? You might have just said so. I, th- I think you just gave the answer to that. Yeah, like stuff we see now is against the laws of physics. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next question. When is the Ferrari test a good idea? And when is it a bad idea? Um, the, and the Ferrari test is when you ask someone, if I said, I like, I just, I'm going to make a claim. I, I have a Ferrari. What's your mm-hmm. confidence that that is true? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you ask, what could you learn to increase your confidence or decrease your confidence? I think that's what it is. It's been a while. Yeah. I think the Ferrari test, when I see Anthony do it is if I showed you a key fob, how about if I took you to the parking lot and my key fit? How about if I showed you registration and then and then there's a meta direction that he goes where he says, and how about if I told you I owned a space shuttle or a warp capable starship? Yeah, it's like you want to see that they are that they can change their confidence with evidence and how much their confidence changes depending on the extraordinariness of the evidence. Mm-hmm. Like having a Ferrari is like a mildly extraordinary claim. Mm-hmm. It's like a rare, it's a rare thing for people to have. Yeah. So it's mildly extraordinary. So do you just go off my word or, you know, do you need a high quality evidence, like a title mm-hmm. in the name that's like notarized or something? Um, so, and then you try to apply the flexibility of you know of evidence to a different claim. Yeah. So if someone if someone is rigid, I guess, in not coming up with hypothetical evidence for a claim, mm-hmm. that could change their mind. If like, no, I'm 100%. I can't change my mind. There's nothing that could change my mind. Then just switch to the Ferrari and mm-hmm. go through that exercise. Mm-hmm. Show how they can easily come up with evidence that could change their mind and then possibly switch back to the original claim. Okay. Like the Ferrari, you could see evidence that could change your mind. And now what evidence could you change your, you see to change your mind about this claim again, maybe that would be a good way. I think I'm hearing, uh, when their standards of evidence, uh, don't seem to include whether the claim is extraordinary. That's a good time to bust it out. Um, yeah, usually we talk about extraordinary claims like supernatural stuff or gods, and usually people are rigid about those types of claims. So if we switch to this less extraordinary, but still kind of rare claim, Mm -hmm. it's easy to help them be more flexible in their confidence. So that may, and then now that we see them being flexible in order Mm -hmm. to be consistent, they should also be flexible for other claims what's special about this claim that makes you inflexible can't Mm -hmm. you imagine stuff like we just easily Mm -hmm. imagine stuff for this claim what's the difference right 
right, good, good. Okay, next question. And <laughs> I think we've almost had all the questions. <laughs> almost, yeah. Uh, well, actually, a lot of these have been ad hoc. Uh, people have been suggesting, so maybe a third of these have been not okay. on the original list. Have you ever been emotionally moved? I think we asked this we question. Did that. We did that. Yeah, we did this one. Yep, this one's this one's done. Uh, no. And. The answer was, in your case, no. Uh, in my case, yes. I was oh, asked yeah. to make a claim so somebody could practice with me. And it was the first time I had tried the claim that I think copyright is broken, that copyright is way out of control. And uh, uh, this is the Nina Paley argument. If you've seen Nina Paley's stuff, if not, somebody please throw mm. a link to Paley. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and... Um, as it turned out, after I after I did it, I had not realized how much I cared about it, especially when we got into music. Uh, mm. how, how much I how much I resent the hell out of if I'm improv improvising, that I could not. I had to be very very careful never to have recognizable music come out in my improv, and that's oh. really annoying. Uh, and and uh, when that happened, I I actually was like. God. Oh, wow as the interlocutor i didn't have to be uh, uh, calm i could i could ah, preach mm. for it ah, yeah, ah. Yeah. i got to the point where and they said okay now i'd like to, i'd like to switch the tables and i say i need 20 minutes i'm i'm too <laughs> amped i'm too amped but it wasn't it wasn't as an interrogator it that's never happened where i've been uh as an interrogator moved that hard i need to you know, offer myself as someone to be questioned more often. I need to do that more. Yeah. Well, if you like, you can be a guest on my show and bring any claim you like. I'll be happy to interrogate. Okay. Yeah. Did anyone get inspired during your conversation and get interested and has started practicing SE? Have you gotten uh, anybody who you interviewed who got in enough to the method that they started trying it? Hmm. Not that I know of. I don't think so. During like someone I was talking to in person, and they I wanted to then go and do SC on their own. Mm -hmm. Um. Maybe at the time, like someone wanted to like then do it with their friends or something. Mm. Maybe that's happened. I can't remember. Some people okay. get excited but not to that point. I think I've had it 10 times at least. Oh, but cool. I'm specifically going out there doing SE theory and practice teachings. So I would expect that the people that are interested are going to come in, give a claim to me, decide they're interested, and then start practicing up. Some of them are yeah, here in the a, room. Yeah, they know you need context. Are. Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, I, I have a very teaching directed context so that's gonna it's inevitable imagine i have a stack of new people to se that i want to help learn i want to help teach them and i only have time to address a small fraction of them who do i pick and why so i saw your video with anthony yesterday i liked his answers for this but i 
what could what did he say exactly or what did you say it's like personality types you know someone being mm-hmm. open that's more i guess yeah open he gave three whatever. three or four selection criteria uh that basically are they suited to do the tart the hard things can they already reach being yeah, neutral can they already reach hypotheticals yeah, if we go back to that mimetic tribe list, could they pass the ideological Turing test for every tribe or a lot of tribes? Like, could mm. they represent the values and the positions of multiple tribes? And that would be the top criteria for me if they already know where people are coming from and their values. Okay. I'm going to throw a question they haven't seen. Uh Oh yeah, so the question comes ideological Turing test. Maybe maybe there's a link about that. Is that is that something that we have an external reference yeah. for? Yeah, it's basically you know the Mill's dictum of like he who he who knows only his side of the case knows little of that. It's like can you represent the opposite side of whatever issue or or some type of position? It's it's basically being able to summarize or mm-hmm. know the opposite side. Okay. So uh, in this, you gave me an article many months back in which I grabbed an idea called the Mimetic Mediator. This was that's from the Mimetic Tribes call, piece, yeah. Yeah, Mimetic Tribes list, uh, and and that really got me thinking. And I do have the plan to go there. I actually think the Mimetic Mediator idea. First of all, would you explain that idea? Can you tell us what a Mimetic Mediator would be ideally? Yeah, so like some tribes can talk to each other fairly easily. Uh, they have similar values and similar ways of thinking and conceptualizing about the world. But some tribes are so different and have such vastly opposing values that if they tried to talk to each other, they would just immediately break down and probably get angry and yell at each other. So if someone could be in between them and translate their values and get maybe get them to slow down and like just some way to translate what they're saying into something that the other person can maybe like they're using words or concepts differently than some other people just being able to translate what they're saying into a way the other side can understand and see where they're coming from that's a that's what I think. I mean, mimetic mm-hmm. media is. It's like that. It's not even a real thing at this point. It's still like, what is the like? We need something to mediate yeah. between vastly different tribes in some way, and we don't even know what that is at this point. So, feel free yeah. to experiment. Indeed, I, I I actually intended to do so. Uh, the how how would I best practice that? Well, that's something we're going to figure out. Um, I knew that I wanted to get this channel on SE going clearly, and it's a very teaching channel, so I want to not actually bring a lot of controversy myself. If my interlocutors do, that's fine, but it, that doesn't uh, color the channel or make people tune out. Oh, he, he brought on a Nazi. Hopefully, people aren't going to tune me out because I platform a Nazi. I want to understand what they're saying and let them say their thing. Um, yeah. And I'm just using Nazi for the stand-in for everybody who's on the way opposite side of wherever you're standing. Yeah, um, we're using uh, Skype right now, and it, yeah. I don't think Skype has that breakout room feature that Zoom does. Mm-hmm. And I would, I, 
I want to test this breakout room feature in Zoom using this mimetic mediator idea where they okay. don't even see each other and they don't even know who they're talking to. Um, oh. And I just pop back and forth between the rooms and it's a lot we have a i have a live stream going and the audience knows who i'm talking to both of them yes but the, the people can the audience the see people, the people the audience can see all okay. three but only they can see me and okay. i pop back and forth i talk with them like this person says this for this mm-hmm. reason if, because they want to get to this goal using this method so I get all that, and then I go over to the other side, mm-hmm. and I put that to them, and I get their re- reaction or something, and their feedback, and then I go back to the other side, and I tell them their mm-hmm. feedback, and maybe in the meantime, they're trying to work on some other question, or mm-hmm. you know, so they're not just waiting, but something yeah. like that. I'd love to see people do that format, experiment with that. That's an even better format than I had been thinking about. I, I want to I want to see that. I want to help. Okay. I want to see that too. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, that it, when I was in in pre-production for this channel, mimetic mediator was one of the categories, and I decided to put it off for a few months until I get all the rest of it going. And if I do mimetic mediator, it'll be on a different channel because I don't hmm. want to limit my audience because of that's going to be a really big it's going to be controversial topics every show it so, has to be like what's what's the point of doing a mimetic mediation if it's not something that's impossible exactly. to talk about so, exactly yeah. so yeah that'll be a separate show and if you do it first i want to help okay uh did did i answer the question <laughs> as to how we would do this i think i think i like his better i think i, I like his format better than mine it's faster it's more live Ooh such good and i i also hear uh lurker would love to also take part in that that's got getting good feedback from people thank you for that is what actions must the interrogator perform to qualify a conversationist se what are the minimum things you have to do to get up to it's your version of se yeah i had this written down just to make sure Okay, here's my list. It's probably not my full list, but here's some things. Mm-hmm. Uh, get get confirmation from the interlocutor. You fully understand their claim with clear definitions. Mm-hmm. Getting getting confirmation from them, like them saying, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. I guess that's a minimum criteria. And then also, just in general, using collaborative language. Mm-hmm. It's not not a debate you're using collaborative language shooting the messenger you're not saying any facts or anything um unprovoked not asked for and in general you're listening more than you're speaking you should not be saying more than your interlocutor if you had to pay mm-hmm. a pie chart that out ideally it should be like 20 80 20 maybe maybe mm-hmm. at most okay um and beginning and ending the conversation with a, a friendly rapport, I guess that would be the core minimum core mm, criteria. That's a great list. I'm going to read this back and, and make a formal list so that I can present that. Okay. We have, we're at an hour and 45. Uh, mm. 
if if you if you still feel up for more stuff, uh, would you like to vocal with the crowd directly? Maybe we can unmute. Sure. Uh, okay. And so unmute. I say unmute. Good. Now everybody in the room should be able to unmute themselves and uh, just ask your questions. Be polite. Okay. There's another question on the screen. We want to answer that in the meantime. Sure. What would you like to see new people do with or bring to street epistemology? Um, just more experimentation. Like the goal is getting people to reflect and reconsider their beliefs. And we have various methods to do that that we've tried that seem to be working. But feel free to try new things and see what else works. Um, just more experimentation. Uh, are there any people uh, up for giving your voice in? I will just continue to ask questions if nobody actually manages to speak up. What, if it happens, usually makes you most excited to do SE? Most excited to do SE. Like when I'm in doing SE at the time, mm -hmm. it makes me excited that I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. um, it's similar to like, the other question of like what 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 counts as like a good SE conversation? No, I think motivation. I think it's what is in your motivation when you do SE. Why are you in the short term most excited to do SE? What motivates you in that moment? Basically, when people say hmm, I've never thought about it before like that, or, or like being it, making it. Seeing an obvious example of where someone has believed something strongly for a long time that they've never thought about, and it's really the first time they thought about it deeply, and they're just appreciative of having gone through that process. Mm. Um, like that's what's great. That's 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 the best. Love that. That's the best. Excellent. Uh, Flash, who's allowed to speak his own question, probably wants me to read, have you ever used a hypothetical Christian with a real Hindu? I think I did. Did I? I had that one conversation with the Hindu at, at, uh, um, what college should we go to? What's that college we go to? Well, UCLA. Uh, UCLA. Yeah. I talked to the mm -hmm. Hindu there. I think I talked mm -hmm. with a few Hindus there. Maybe there's one I haven't uploaded. And I think I did use a hypothetical Christian or someone. I, I think I did try that once. So, yeah, that's it's a thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, any further questions from the audience? Is there anything that we haven't talked about today that you'd like my audience to know about um don't know maybe it would be a good that you could put the link to your whatever google form in the description of your videos yes um, that would be a good thing to just have your as a default in your videos, so people, if they come across your videos, they can easily get to that form. Um, okay, that would be that's a good the form thing. for people to sign up, and after they see my calendar, to suggest a date that they see is open. Yeah, uh, I will. Yeah. I will add that. 
Yeah, and, and if you're like recently, your that link wasn't it just went to your YouTube channel. It didn't go to your calendar, but I think it's probably fixed now. So that's something. And uh, mm-hmm. what else do they need to know? Um, I don't really know. Okay. Out of questions. Kimberly says, we've finished our list. This has been well, fantastic. I really appreciate this, uh, uh, sticking it out the whole time and, and, and doing all these things. Uh, uh, yeah, I just, I, I, I want to say thank you. You, you were actually been the inspiration that made my channel happen. Uh, uh, and uh, I have been really, really, really pleased with what I've learned from and through you. Uh, I, I look forward to the mimetic mediator. Uh, I want to see your version before I even start mine. It'll, it'll be, it would be several months, uh, before I could, I could start mine. I need to get this channel completely proper on its, on its feet and focused before I start doing anything that could distract me. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, so I, I really look forward to that. Uh, I see a few people are typing just in case there's anything left. And if not, Yes, special thanks to the technical team. We have a we have a wonderful, incredible team, and I I couldn't possibly do this without them. Here are five of my favorite channels. I actually have something like eleven of them in the preferred channels or the promoted channels on my YouTube channel. But here are the top five. Of course, cordial curiosity is one of them. If you are really, really interested in this method about street epistemology, there are lots of good resources on streetepistemology.com provided by Street Epistemology International. Well, I should say provided by the community in general. And Street Epistemology International is a great place. Uh, uh, sorry, streetepistemology.com is a great place for those resources to be put together. If you would like to be a guest on my show, uh, anytime in the future, I look forward to hearing from you. I, there will be a link in the doobly-doo. Thank you. The Street Epistemology Podcast is a production of Street Epistemology International. You can donate or learn more about this nonprofit organization at streetepistemologyinternational.org. The views, guests, and topics expressed here or not expressed here do not necessarily represent those of the organization. 